if you start out a relationship by fanning the flame with your own wick and wax, with your own flame, if you try to do this in your own strength, you haven't done it by the leading of God. You haven't done it because you have a conviction that this is the right thing to do. You are just going where your body and your soul takes you. Then you cannot be surprised when you wake up one day next to that person that you decided to be with and go, hmm, I don't love you anymore. I have news for you. You never loved that person in the first place. And when I say that, I mean you never love them with the love of God. You may have had strong feelings towards them based on human emotions, but you did not love them according to 1 John 4. The love that Jesus has when He laid down His life and gave it. Real love is unconditional, sacrificial, and serving. It is not self-seeking. It does not run out. Welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Can we just give God just a shout of praise, a thank you, a cheers. Thank you, Jesus. You are good. You are God. There's no one like you. We love you, Jesus, so much. Wow. Did you have a good time in worship? Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. We are busy with a, a series called Tethered, a relationship series. We've spoken about our relationship with Father God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. We've spoken about our relationships with our earthly fathers. We've spoken about our relationship with our earthly mothers. And today, on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to talk about flame. We're going to talk about Romantic relationships. Yes, it's going to get interesting. But I want to remind us of our series scripture first. John 15 verse 1 to 4. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that, in, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remember, the seed is, Jesus is the seed of the word. He is the word. He gives us the seed, the incorruptible seed. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This morning, as we talk about flame, I want to ask you, what kind of flame is burning in your life? And what is fueling that flame? What kind of flame is burning in your life? And what is fueling that flame? As I said already, this is Pentecost Sunday. And typically, we would have a whole service dedicated to the Holy Spirit pouring out on the day of Pentecost. But because we have already spent quite a bit of time in the Word of God about Holy Spirit and why He came. And because I feel God is leading us in this series to the point where we are today, I, I was actually a bit surprised, but then I 
as I was spending time preparing, I felt God show me that there's a reason behind it. And I hope that I will communicate that clearly to you today. I believe God wants to show us how we need to understand the difference between the flame that we want to set alight, when and how we want it, and the flame of the Holy Spirit that gives life, that gives healing, and a heavenly, eternal perspective on life. And included in that perspective is our view of love and romance. I want to remind all of us, as we go into this message today, this is very, very important, that you keep this in the front of your mind the whole time. You have intrinsic value given to you by your Creator. He loves you. You are here for a reason. And if you don't get that yet, if you sit and struggle with your identity, your self-esteem, your confidence, I want you to know that maybe even if you just take this uh, cognitively today and not yet maybe with your whole being, I want you to know and start saying, God loves me, God values me. Just start reminding yourself, meditate on that rather than meditating on whatever lie you may be meditating on. This is very important because if we do not understand our value, then we will treat ourselves in a devalued way. Does that make sense? And you've heard me speak about this before. When, when do you abuse something? It's when you use something for something that wasn't meant for. That's abuse. Abnormal use of something is abuse. It was made for this, but you're using it for that, and it's a mess. I believe that God wants to show us that the way that the average person is approaching romance and romantic relationships and marriage is evident in their lives, that they don't understand their intrinsic worth, they don't understand that they were created by a greater God that loves them so much that He wants them to do it the right way, that they end up abusing themselves and others. Because you see, if you don't see your own intrinsic value, you will struggle to see it in others. Why do you think Jesus reminded us that the two most important commandments are love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself? As you love yourself. As you love yourself. That is not the self that is, you know, our selfish, selfie generation thing. It's not that. It's a healthy self-love coming from a place of knowing your Creator, knowing you, yourself, through His eyes, being confident in the fact that I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God, and therefore I am valuable. So there's certain things that I just won't do because I value myself too much. Does that help? Okay. In the world, there's this thing where when you refer to an old boyfriend or girlfriend, you talk about an old flame, right? Yeah. All right? Why do we do that? Why do we refer to it that way? It's because we associate heat with romance and passion because of the so-called chemistry that we feel when we're attracted to someone, right? Don't pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. 
Guys, you know that feeling when you see someone you really like and you start feeling all like weird and uncomfortable. It's like you lose all control of your body. What is, what is that about? You can't form a proper sentence. This happened to me once. I'm going to share some embarrassing stories with you today. I used to tell the story all the time when I did my Afrikaans shows because it kind of worked in well. But then today I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to tell the story in church. So I was first year studying law at Stellenbosch. I picked up a guitar two years prior to that and started playing songs that I liked. And I had a whole file of cover songs that I liked to play. It wasn't a lot, but I had a few in my pocket. And in the first while of um, the first year at Stellenbosch, you get, you know, hazed. You word gedoop. And we had a very scary doopkaptein, a guy in charge of the hazing. He, he looked like Satan. <laughs> the, the, the children Bible version of Satan. He looked like that guy. He had this like dark goatee beard and he shaved all his hair off. And um, he would always walk in with heavy metal music playing and a strobe light going like this. And you know that music where it sounds like the guy's mic's in the back of the throat. <laughs> And it just, when all the first years are like, ah! <laughs> so this guy is our doop captain, all right? And he figures out that I can play guitar and sing, which is not a good thing. Because now, behind the facade that we saw, he's actually just another guy who likes a girl. And he has his eye on a first-year lady in Irene Hostel in Stellenbosch. So he tells me, doesn't ask me because I'm being dwipped. He tells me, you will serenade on my behalf to this girl in Irene Hostel. You will be there at three o'clock with your guitar and she will come out of the hostel and you will serenade her. I will be there behind a bush to surprise her at the end. <laughs> I'm going, this is new. <laughs> Okay, now what? you have to picture that. I'm a first year at Stellenbosch, all right? I've only been playing for two years. I've not done shows, nothing, all right? I'm standing there with my little guitar in front of Irene Corsais, and the next moment this girl walks out. Now, first year, 18 years old, okay? I know Jesus, but I'm still a man. <laughs> this woman comes out. She is drop-dead gorgeous. It, at that stage, the guys who are my age will understand this. It looked like Jennifer Aniston and... Someone else that's beautiful ran into each other and, and formed a new woman. And I sang, I sang the rose. How did that song go? Some say love, it is a river that drowns <clears throat> the tender reed. Anyway, and I get through the song and, and eventually I think, oh, that was quite nice. You know, I did, I did a good job and I look up, a bit more confidence. And she goes, oh, that was lovely. Where's James? I'm like, he's all after the boss, that's done. <laughs> and James fat all glory. And I stop on weg, my third is in my beard. Okay. Months later, months later, I'm in the building where I do some of my classes and I come out into the foyer and I walk into this girl again. I haven't seen her since that day. And Instantly, I go like, 
I have to take a chance. As far as I know, she's not dating the Dorpkaptein, so maybe I still have a chance. <laughs> so, so I walk up to her and I try to be as suave as possible, you know, cool, calm, collected. I'm like, hello. <laughs> I don't know if you remember me, but my name is... Uh, my name is... I have a name somewhere. <laughs> you have a good day. I forgot my name. My name. How do you forget your name? It was probably one of the lowest points of my life. Standing in front of this beautiful woman and going, mm, uh, mm. And that is what this chemistry does to you. This physical flame. It makes you stupid. And that happened to me that day. But there was no relationship. There was just a once and then a second. And, but something about what I liked in a woman was in this girl. And it triggered something. And I, I went stupid. And we all know that feeling, you know. In Afrikaans we say, yet meisnester. When you're in love, you're like, you can't think straight, you can't do your job, you can't work, you can't study, you're just thinking of that person. That's, that's a thing that happens. But how many of you know that doesn't last forever? All right. So what happens to us is a mixture of emotions, hormones, libido, visual stimulation for the men, emotional stimulation for the women. Your body and soul go through these things, but it's not spiritual. In that story, I didn't fall in love with the girl. I found her attractive and I liked her on a superficial level. It was a crush, you know. Some people use, I don't know what the, what is the modern day word for a crush? We just, still a crush. Okay, cool. We're still crushing it, guys. But it was a short-lived flame that was set alight in my body and soul. But it was, it was not a spiritual deeper thing. Anyway. So I want to contrast that kind of moment that I'm sure all of us had some version of with actually dating someone, but it's not the one that you're going to marry. And I had an experience like that as well. I was dating a girl from my first year, and we actually really got quite close. And there was a flame between us. But after a while, it became very clear that she had very different interests and, and I had very different interests. For example, she would want to go and climb a mountain on a Wednesday night and sleep over, and I wanted to soki. <laughs> and I couldn't understand or comprehend why. Why would you climb a mountain on a Wednesday and sleep on top of it? What is that about? And then we realized we have very different ideas of fun. <laughs> it was just one example. But then things also got weird and awkward and we started moving away. And then we made the big mistake that we should have learned a lesson from friends. Um, we took a break. <laughs> we should have known by Ross and Rachel's example and friends that that's not a good idea. And it got messy and awkward and, you know, it, it didn't end well. But we eventually we were able to forgive each other and move on. But now I want to skip forward many years, many mistakes, many broken hearts. And on that note, I just want to say this because I'm now experiencing this as a father. Never, 
ever say about your children or someone else's children, ooh, this is a heartbreaker, or here is a heartbreaker. People say that about my boys all the time because they're handsome. Of course they're handsome. I understand the intention, but you are actually speaking something over that child's life that they will break hearts. Don't do it. All right? That's all I'm going to say about that. I don't have time to share my whole testimony. You guys can come to the, the marriage seminar to hear my wife and my story. Um, and I will tell a bit of my own testimony as well. But before idols, I was saved. I got saved as a 16-year-old. Many people meet me now and they're like, oh, you planted a church. Did you get saved? <laughs> I've been saved for quite a while. Uh, this was the same when I started doing Christian music. I'm so glad you had your sock with the gemaakt. My sock with the was lang al reg. But I choose to be obedient rather than do what everybody thinks I should do. Anyway, so I was a Christian, but I wasn't being discipled, and I wasn't in a life-giving church. So I was a seesaw Christian. One moment in the world, one moment in the Bible, one moment in the world doing what I want to do, one moment, um, you know, it was terrible, but it was for a long time it was that way. But even when we're saved and discipled, if we do not stay close to God and keep meditating on His Word, compromise can come. And that's what happened to me. Compromise came and I was led astray. And things got way worse in my life before they got better. I met my wife, Aletta, in January 2005. But because I was in a place, even though I was saved, and now at that point I was being discipled, but because of my own mistakes, my own choices, I started compromising, compromising. And, and because of that, I was, my judgment was clouded, and I couldn't see what was right in front of me. I wasn't able to recognize that she is my God-given wife. I knew she was very special, but I was kind of dating two other girls on the side. It was a mess. It was terrible, I know. It's a long story. <laughs> but it reached a point where she said to me, listen, we can't even be friends. This is not going to work. Ta-ta done. And what I didn't know was that she had a very wise mom that said to her, you put that boy on the altar. And the day that he comes to you and says, I know that I know you're my wife, that's the only day that you speak back to him. And that eventually happened. <laughs> but... Because of all of these things that happened, I, I first had to go through a very dark night of the soul type experience at the beginning of 2006 where I basically wanted to give up on Christianity. I felt like a total failure as a Christian. I felt like a hypocrite. And I was one by worldly standards. I felt like I couldn't do this I was, because I was trying to do it in my own strength. I was trying to, to, to stand on my own. And it's not possible. We need to connect group. We need disciple, disciples in our lives. And, and I was, at that stage, because I compromised, I was consumed by a carnal flame, a physical flame, something that was driving me because I allowed it into my life. And then one Saturday, I just decided, I'm just going to tell my pastor and, he's, and the other pastor and my friends that are in my life, listen, I give up. I quit. Can't do this. And I wrote them this long email. And the amazing thing that happened changed my life. They all came back and said, I've read your email. 
And in that email, I listed my sins. I listed my sins. This is why I shouldn't be a Christian. I did that. And they said to me, I've read your email. And all I can tell you is I love you. And God loves you. And this is not the end of the story. And that love, that absolute love, just changed my life. And I realized for the first time what it means to be a son in the house of God and not a, um, an orphan with an orphan mentality towards God, but to have a sonship mentality towards God. And when, when, when I went through that moment, on the other side of that, it felt like this heavy weight fell off of me. I was completely set free of sin. I was completely set free of this carnal flame that, that was driving me in a very wrong direction. And suddenly I had clarity. I could see in my spirit what was really happening. And I knew in an instant a letter is my wife. I knew it. I couldn't see it before, but then I knew. And God came and he pulled me out of that, like that song says, out of the miry clay. And he set me on my feet. And I could go to my wife and tell her, I know that I know. You're my wife. And she was speechless for the first time in her life. <laughs> and what happened in that moment was that God became the most important flame in my life. And from that, he showed me that this is your wife. And then he lit a flame. He lit the flame between us. And that is why it's still burning. Because it's not in our own strength. I want to show you something. I'm going to try to do um, something practical today. I know I don't do these kinds of things often. Many pastors do. Have, they have a, like a picture every Sunday. This candle was whole when I brought it to church. Then it fell. But luckily, it's still standing upright. So I want to just—I just want to light this as an example. This—you all know how it, how a candle works. But I just wanted to show you. And I mean, South Africans, we should really know how a candle works. <laughs> because of load shedding, we all, we all know these things. They are very valuable. <laughs> when the load shedding starts, like vazi kerse, kerse So. This is a flame. You can use a match, obviously. This comes from a source. It lights the wick, the launt, normally. What makes it burn slowly, but makes it keep burning? It's the wax, right? So we've got a, a source of a flame. We've got the wick, and we've got the wax. Okay? Are you with me? All right. I just need you to see that. Stop it. It's going to be smoky for a while. Yeah, who needs smoke machines when you have candles? I believe God wants to come and shift our world-infiltrated thinking when it comes to marriage and romantic relationships. I believe God wants to come and help us all, but especially the young people in our church that are still single or maybe in a serious relationship, to understand His design. 
for love between a man and a woman. I trust that after this message, you will have a spiritual understanding of why you can and why you should wait for the marriage partner God wants to give you. I also believe that it's possible by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can wait and stay pure until God's, God brings the right person into our lives. It is possible. It starts with you believing that. It is possible. So if we think of a candle, this um, already said what it was made up of, sorry. But how do you, how do you uh, stop the candle from burning? What's the most obvious thing? Like what I did, I blew it out. So wind takes out the flame. It's an element. Water will kill the flame. If you just bump it over, it will kill the flame. And of course, if you just leave it and nothing happens to it, the, the wick and the wax will eventually run out and it will die. So what is the lifespan of a candle? It depends on those physical elements that will determine the lifespan of the candle. How many of you guys know, remember, of the thing opposite cash? So my parents would tell me about opposite cash. This is, this is when people were dating in the olden days, like my kids would say, but they say olden days and they mean when I was a child. I'm like, don't speak about me in the olden days. <laughs> there are some real olden days long, <laughs> long before that. Anyway, so in the olden days, and this was before technology, no smartphones, no WhatsApp, no internet, nothing. People went on things called dates, where they actually sat and looked each other in the eye, and they spoke. Have you heard of these? It's amazing. Now, there also wasn't electricity, so there weren't lights. So you, when you wanted to date the farmer's daughter, you can go and have a date on the stoop, on the porch, and they would give you a candle and light the candle. And when the candle is out, the date is over. Do you know that? Have you heard that? That's how it works. And what the people would do to extend the life of the candle in the date was to put salt at the base of the wick. And the salt would help the candle to burn longer. And they would try to extend it. So... When you are on a date, this is how you knew it's not going well. No one is putting salt on the wick. Brand vinegar. Ek wil hy stil gaan. Is it possible for a candle to never die? Is it possible? Not in the physical, not in what we're used to, right? It's only, it would take something supernatural. It would take something above what is natural. When it is powered by a supernatural internal flame that can stand wind, that can withstand water and bumps, and if there's an endless supply of wick and wax. If all these factors are there, it can work. But all these factors are impossible. In human terms. Okay, now I want you to think of yourself as a candle. What is the flame? What's the source of the flame of your life? And what's the most important flame in your life? Now, if you're here today and you have given your life to Christ, you're born again, you're born of God, 
and you have become obedient to his word. So you have been baptized with water and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit has set a flame inside of you. The source of it is supernatural and it's holy. And as long as we stay connected to the source of power, the flame cannot die. The flame can only dwindle and die by our choice to become disconnected. When the main focus of this flame is to set you alight for the kingdom of God, then one of the most amazing bonus knock-on effects is that you will burn to do things God's way. When His light is in you, then you want to do His, His kingdom ways. We sang about it today. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added. What is the all? Your marriage, your parenting, your job, your income, what you do with your life is the all. Seek first. How do you seek first? You become born again, you become baptized and Holy Spirit baptized. Then you have access to the power needed to live up to what the Bible says. See, this is something I didn't get in my story. I was trying to impress God with my own strength and discipline. And it got me nowhere. So when we are set alight with the flame of the Holy Spirit, we want to do things God's way. If you don't want to do things God's way, then you are either not born again, or you haven't received the Holy Spirit, or you're just being rebellious. Or you've somehow disconnected for a moment. It was never God who will convince you to not do things His way. It will be the enemy and it will be your own selfish reasons. So when the Bible says we should flee youthful lusts and that we can overcome any temptation. And we think, how is that possible? Then we should know. By the Spirit of God, by the most important flame burning inside of me. But when you try to get this romantic flame going in your life first, if you put that first, I need someone. I don't want to be alone. This person is attractive. When I speak to them, I feel like, a, like we can speak all night. And I feel, I feel this, you know, in loveness. And it's like, a, and it makes me feel like, I want to be here. And what most people end up doing is they mistake that feeling of being in love or infatuated or just having a crush with something that's more meaningful. So they think it's spiritual, but it's not spiritual. And all these things will grab you, or lead you off track if you don't focus. And then it's, if you start out a relationship by fanning the flame with your own wick and wax with your own flame if you try to do this in your own strength you haven't done it by the leading of God you haven't done it because you have a conviction that this is the right thing to do you are just going where your body and your soul takes you then you cannot be surprised when you wake up one day next to that person that you decided to be with and go hmm I don't love you anymore I have news for you you never loved that person in the first place and when I say that, I mean you never love them with the love of God. 
you may have had strong feelings towards them based on human emotions, but you did not love them according to 1 John 4. The love that Jesus has when he laid down his life and gave it. Real love is unconditional, sacrificial, and serving. It is not self-seeking. It does not run out. Let's read some scriptures. 2 Timothy 2 verse 22. So 2 has been a, 22 has been a big number in our lives. And I was quite amazed when I found this scripture for today. 2 Timothy 2 verse 22. Paul is writing to Timothy. He's a leader of a church and he tells him, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He's speaking to a young man who's leading a church and he must know that there are temptations along the way. He must know that there are ladies in the church that are thinking, hey, muy pastor aquí. So he is giving him an instruction. Flee youthful lusts. What did Joseph do in the Old Testament when he was approached by Potiphar's wife? He ran. The Bible says flee youthful lusts. It doesn't say tolerate it. It doesn't say look away. It says flee. Get out of there. And what is the alternative? It doesn't just say flee. He gives him instruction on what to do instead of staying there. He says pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. God's love. Pursue peace. God's peace. With who? Other people. Who do what? Call on the Lord out of a pure heart. What does that mean? Surround yourself with people who love God the same way you do. Why? It's in this next verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. If you hang out with people who say one thing over and over and over again, you're going to start thinking that's true. We heard it in a testimony this morning. A father who tells his son, don't be influenced by Christians. We have to be the difference. Yes, we are a light to the world and salt to the world, and we need to get into the world to be that light and salt. But we have to be careful who is influencing whom. And one of the biggest mistakes that we see young ladies make who are in the church is they start dating a guy because of their youthful lust, and they feel, man, I like this guy, I'm in love with this guy, he's hot, he's whatever, and you start, and then he's not a believer, but you are a believer, and then you're like, I will save him. I will lead him to Jesus, and he will be a changed man. Flee! You cannot save a man. Only Jesus can. And you do not want to pursue an ungodly man because you will end up with an ungodly man. You cannot change a person. Only God can change a person. Ladies. All the single ladies. All the single ladies. Listen up. What you should wait for is God's best. And God's best is a man who loves God first. 
and who comes to you and chases after you in a godly way. Don't go around telling people, God told me you're my wife. That freaks people out. First, build some relationship there, maybe. Go on one coffee date. Tell people what you're doing. I, I once said I wasn't... <laughs> I shouldn't tell this. I, I was once in a church uh, where there were six ladies that told the pastor, I'm their husband. <laughs> and and the, the pastor asked me, could you maybe go to our other campus for a few months? We just want to <laughs> sort this out. Anyway, that can happen because you are, you are thinking from the wrong flame. When, the, when you have that selfish flame burning in you and you go, yes, that ticks all the boxes that I want, then it must be God speaking to me. Not necessarily. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part is a believer with an unbeliever, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. You are valuable. You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? You are valuable. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. He's referring to Genesis. In God's eyes, you are married by becoming one flesh with a harlot, someone who's not a daughter of God, someone who has led you astray or you have gone astray. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. That word in the Greek for sexual immorality is porneia. What do you think we get from that word? Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. What did I tell you in the beginning? Value yourself, otherwise you will devalue yourself and abuse yourself. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Say it with me. You are not your own. Now say, I am not my own. One, two, three. I am not my own. I was bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What is this world shouting at us? Your body, your choice. And with that mentality, in America alone, 63 million babies have been murdered through abortion. My body, my choice. How many broken relationships, broken marriages, because I want what I want and I want it now. What are we listening to? Guys, I don't want to be that stuck up preacher who tells you don't listen to music. I love music. 
But what I do want to ask, listen to the lyrics that you are singing along to, especially the rap songs. Some of those words are horrible. They are degrading you. They are degrading women. They are degrading sex and making it cheap. And when you sing along, you meditate on that. And what you meditate will manifest. You have to change what is coming in here and coming in here. Because it will eventually come out. What we meditate on is not just about what I say about the future or pray. It is also what I consume. What are you watching on Netflix? What are you listening to? What kind of podcasts are you listening to? What kind of messages on WhatsApp and Facebook are you listening to, reading and forwarding? What are you keeping yourself busy with? Because what the world is telling you is that sex is cheap. And that people are a commodity to be used and to move on from. That is what the world is saying through songs and TV and all these things. It is devaluing the preciousness of what God has created. By telling you you are worth less than what you are. While at the same time trying to make you feel worthwhile by saying you can do what you want. Can you see the duplicity of the world? Why so many broken marriages? Two-thirds of marriages in South Africa end in divorce. And it's not different in the church. What are we doing wrong? We're getting this wrong. We're getting the foundation wrong. I compartmentalize my life. Yes, I'm a Christian, but God, don't tell me who to date. Don't tell me not to date. I will date if I want to date. My mind is boggled when my 10-year-old and my 12-year-old tell me there are people in their class going out with someone. And there's no song. To do what? <laughs> do you know that in 2021, in our nation, over 35,000 teenagers became pregnant. And 40% of them are between the ages of 10 and 12. And it is not just when they were raped by older men. It is children having sex with children. Part of that mess is because they get a grant from the government when they get a baby. 350 rand per child. That is a godless, evil thing. But apart from that, they are seeing and reading and hearing things that they should not be seeing, reading, or hearing. And that is making the framework with which they think about their own bodies, with which they think about other children. And they are getting exposed to things that they are not ready for. It is a mess. And now they're dragging that along in their lives. And somehow they have to have a healthy life. It is not necessary for us to live like that. Jesus died on a cross and sent his Holy Spirit so that we can live the ultimate life that he has for us. What I'm telling you now, you are not hearing enough. 
What I'm telling you now is not being preached about enough, read enough, talked about enough. If it was, the world would look different. What are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it as a parent? What are you going to do about it as a young person? Are you going to just go with the world, go with the wave? Or are you going to actually stand up for what the Word of God says and say, no, I will be different. And you will be mocked. You will be laughed at. You will be thought of as weird when you don't laugh at an inappropriate joke about women or mothers-in-laws around a bride. But we have to be different. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. We have the mind of Christ. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Is what's coming out of your mouth holy? Is what you are listening to holy? Is what you are reading holy? Is what you are watching holy? I'm not here to spoil your fun. I'm actually here to tell you how to have the best fun of your life. Because if you do this right, you will have a great sex life in your marriage. And it will be fun all the way. It just gets better. The older you get, the more you love, and the more you fall in love, and the more you pursue God, it gets better. And yes, it takes time. What is the biggest problem with our generation and the younger generation now? I want it now. I wanted it yesterday. Microwave. Everything instant. Near. The most important relationship in your life is not going to come like a microwave. It's not going to, you know, this whole mentality of millennials, I want to make an impact and I want to make it now. When it's in three months in a new company. Sit, booty, leer. Wachebiki. Mature for us a little bit first. And it's the same with relationships. You are chasing something you don't even know what it is. Many of these young people who are dating in primary school, oh, it's like a dog chasing its tail. I don't know what to do with it when I get it. It meant nothing. When she walked past me in the, in, the, in the corridor, I just went like this. That was it. That was our communication. That and the little briefie that said, Saw you my case, yo of near. I, I know. Some of those things are very innocent and nice. I know. But we have to get to this place where we go, What is the flame that is fueling what I'm doing? Is this relationship I'm in from God? If you are not in a relationship and you are trusting God for that right person, the best thing for you to do is to get closer to Jesus. The best thing for you to do. I once was driving with this lady from a shoot we did, and she was talking about how she's so frustrated that she doesn't get a man to marry. And, and I, felt, I felt God say to me, to ask her, if you meet this man, would you like him to be the best version of himself? She's like, yeah, of course. And then I asked her, are you the best version of yourself? And immediately she started crying. And I was like, ah, what do I do with this? <laughs> but she realized, I'm expecting perfect but I'm not perfect. How do you get perfect? You stay close to Jesus. 
He will make you perfect. He will make you holy. He will get you to that place where you are as ready as you can be at a certain age to get married when the time is right. But when you are trying to press something ripe that is not ready, it will blow up in your face. What does the Bible say about our God? It says in Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy 4, 24, for our the Lord our God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Exodus 24, 17. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. The flame of the Holy Spirit burning brightly inside of you is so much greater, can never be put out, than any flame you can feel for another person. It is the only flame that matters. And I promise you, if you would just surrender to God, if you would just allow His Spirit to be the most important flame in your life, then He will show you what romantic flame you can let burn for another person. He will. He will. But ask yourself, am I ready? Some of you might sit here today and go, I didn't do that, but I am married. Some of you probably married, one being a believer, one not. And you realize, shucks, shouldn't have done that. Maybe you sit here, you've got broken relationships, broken marriages in your, in your rearview mirror. And you're like, what do I do with that? What I preached on today is God's ideal it's what I, he wants for us. And for the young people who haven't stepped into any of these things, I want you to be encouraged that this is possible by the Holy Spirit. For those of you who have walked the road and maybe realized, shucks, I've made so many mistakes. I have good news for you. Jesus is a redeemer. He's the ultimate reconciliator. He's the ultimate healer. But it takes surrendering to Him. It takes laying down your will. It takes laying down your pride. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Will you humble yourself today? Will you humble yourself today as a young person and say, Okay, God, I'll do it your way. Holy Spirit, come. You be the flame. You be the flame in my life. If you've, if you've run this race for a while and you've got some baggage, will you allow the Holy Spirit? Will you lay your pride down and say, yes, Holy Spirit, come, come. Fan your flame in my life. Lord Jesus, I love you so much. Holy Spirit, I love you. And I thank you that you are here today. You are so welcome in this place. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will receive our humble coming to you today of laying down pride, of saying, I've let other flames burn in my life, which is not of you. I, re I repent, Lord. And we want to come as a, as a church and say, we only want your flame, your eternal flame, to burn brightly in each of us. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Be ready to receive the 
Holy Spirit. A baptism of fire. A fresh outpouring. A fresh infilling. A fresh flame. Set a light to burn bright. Holy Spirit, as we stand to receive, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Set a fire. Set your fire in our hearts, in our spirit beings, in our minds. We want to burn for you and you alone. Lord, we repent of trying to do things our way. We repent of all the mistakes we made, of all the people we hurt, of how we didn't value ourselves. We repent of that, Holy Spirit. We ask that you come and fill us right now. Fill us with a, a deep sense of our value given by God. Fill us with your mighty, holy, never-ending fire. us to burn for you every day Lord we repent of any relationship that is not of you we give it to you we surrender to you and we ask wisdom and how to handle this we repent of being unequally yoked with unbelievers forgive us Lord wash us clean and help us to make right and move forward with you Lord, we repent of our past mistakes and we receive your forgiveness today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. You guys are awesome. Yo, Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. God loves you so much and He wants you to do well. Let's give God a big shout of praise and an applause. He is a good God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for being with us online. Have a wonderful Sunday. We'll see you next, well, we won't see you next week, but there is church next week. Please come and um, we'll see you back on the 19th on Father's Day. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast, Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. 
Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.